Hello and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Jill, Gracia, Bill, Bill Wellacheck, <laughs> Bill Wellacheck, <laughs> Bill Wellacheck. <laughs> I guess we'll have to edit that. Why? <laughs> Just because the uh, non-alcohol drinker can't speak properly. <laughs> <laughs> It's osmosis today for him. <laughs> uh, and recurring guest star, Craig. Okay, still not a star. I feel like that's not appropriate. You're like, um, special, remember, like right. Gonzo. Yeah, you know, Gonzo guest yeah. starred on yeah. things and he like shot out of the cannon. Yeah. You're Gonzo. <laughs> not the star. And uh, Steve and Dad are losers. So they're not here. But someday they'll be back. Someday. And Steve will listen to this. So hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Nice hair. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, do you want to get started with the drink? Sure. Uh, The drink of the week this week is based on my trip to Home Goods. So I'm sure all of you people out there love Home Goods like I do. And I happened to be in this aisle and they had some stuff um, for making cocktails. So I picked up like five bottles of stuff. So this is two parts of it. Um, I got it from their website too, this recipe. So I went to the recipe of moan in to just get some things and most of their stuff is non-alcoholic so this and the rarity is a non-alcoholic drink that i have turned alcohol so um, it is basically just strawberry moan lemon moan and water and for us vodka for dave no vodka and mary moan <laughs> it happened to just be like when you're in home goods like everybody knows you can't go there looking for something certain you just pick up what's there because it's never the same place twice Everybody remember the commercial? And the, do you remember the never, never no, the no. same place twice next week, no. next Saturday night? I literally night. have no idea what you're talking you about. You get the max I for the minimum, minimum price. No, it's never, ever the same. I think this commercial <laughs> never existed, <laughs> and you made it all up in your mind. Oh, yeah. no. It's the TJ Maxx commercial, but TJ Maxx owns Home Goods, so... No? Okay. <laughs> you guys are all going to Google this, or listeners who are listening that are from this area are like, oh my God, I love that song, because I sing it all the time when I go into TJ Maxx, so. Because it's never the same place twice. Doo-doo-doo-doo. Yeah. <laughs> it must be one of those commercials that only airs on, like, certain networks, so. Yeah. Like, you know. I was a kid, so I uh, would probably say, like, 80s that was out. Well, we didn't have Cable and Barry, so yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't have 90s. New England back then, so I've got oh, an excuse. excuse there you, for you. Go. Yeah. you needed Steve today. I did. Mm-hmm. But the drink, what did you guys think? I think it's good. Yep, tasty. Dave, did you try it? Oh, no. Um. <laughs> it's funny that um, Craig is yeah, like, I'm good. learning to love cocktails from this. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the big benefit of this show. I've expanded my drinking horizons. Mm. Well, in a weird one, I have had two people this week send me cocktail recipes. Oh, nice. So those, for those who sent them to me, will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. I already had this stuff ready, but you they sent them this week. Mm-hmm. So they will be guest-featured cocktails. Nice. That's exciting. Well, not guest, but uh, listener. We follow. We listener. follow your... Yeah, you know what I meant. Um, today we're going to be talking about a case that... Um, I remember well because I was the same age as her, So, um, and it happened in Boston. It happened in 1996, and she was 20. So those of us who were born in the 70s may remember this. I remember it because her and I were the same age, but in very different places in our life. Um, so she was a nanny and partying and having a good time, and I was pregnant with my child. <laughs> And 20 years old, and I had to drop out of college. So totally different lifestyles. And I remember watching in the news going, oh, man, 
Good thing I'm sitting at home, right, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so let's get into Karina Homer. Um, Karina Homer wrote a poem in 1992. It was entitled Life. One of the lines in the poem was this. The richest gift you ever got is life. Don't throw away anything. Sorry. Don't throw that away or ever step on it. But hold it high in your hands. Karina loved life and had wanted to experience life before settling into university. People come to the United States for all kinds of reasons. They come for safety, for freedom, for family, for adventure, and in many cases for work. Today we took a take a look at the case of a 20-year-old Swedish woman named Karina Homer. Karina had a quest for travel. She dreamt of traveling, meeting new people, and finding her place in the world. Karina set her sights on living in the United States. She knew some of the Swedish women who appeared in the United States, and she thought this was the perfect way to fund her travels. She needed to make her dreams of traveling a reality, but financially it was not in the cards. Until one day, she won the local lottery. Wow. Yeah. But I think this is a scratch ticket. I mm-hmm. think they call it something different because the prize is like 1500 bucks. Oh, wow. So they called it a local lottery, but the prize was $1,500, and this was just enough to make this dream happen. Before we get into it, let's start with who Karina is. She was friendly, ambitious, and had a love for life like no other. She was artsy and espana, which is the Swedish word for scout. And in Sweden, um, actually in most of Europe, there's no boys and girl scouts. Everybody does it together. Mm-hmm. So it's not, like, gender-specific because, hey, they're all equal over there, I guess. Um, She was a beautiful young woman inside and out. Her quest for life and adventure was talked about from everyone who knew her. Karina was from a small town about 150 miles southwest of Stockholm. Party foul. Time out. In March of 1996, Karina decided she would embark on the new journey and come to the United States. With her winning, she bought a flight to Boston, where she'd be, she would take on a new career as an au pair in the upscale suburb of Dover. For those of you not familiar with Dover, it is one of the richest suburbs of Boston. So much so in 2015, it was rated the fourth richest community in the country. And 2019, it was rated the second richest community in Massachusetts. So where she's going is full of rich people. <laughs> Um, I think Dave and I looked it up last night. What did we say? The medium income was like 200000 yeah. a person. Yeah, it was really high. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which just kind of gives you a background of where she is. So she's headed into this, like, world that she's not used to from a small town. Um, but before we go any further, let's talk about how, how au pairs get to the U.S. Usually, the U.S. government is involved in this process. There are procedures, work visas, background checks on both sides, and so much more. The goal, of course, is to make sure both parties are safe and that laws are followed. However, Karina did not do this. She used an unlicensed Swedish employment agency run by a man named Taj Sudin. Mr. Sudin had been fined twice in Sweden for operating this agency. Learned his lesson. (laughs) (laughs) However, (laughs) he told the authorities that he had placed six other au pairs with the Dover family before Karina was placed there. So she was the seventh au pair with this family. Wow. Wow, that's a fucking lot, isn't yeah. it? Yes, yeah. I think that is a huge indication of what's going on in that home. Some kind of red flag there, you'd think. Right. I, my, my next words are, sound shady, right? Like, the fact that their kids are really young, so how long have you really been getting au pairs? And six? And now you're putting a seventh in there? How old are the kids? 
Uh, it doesn't say in any of the articles, oh. but all it says is they were young children. Oh. So if you're describing young children, though, yeah, she watched their two young children. Why would you want to burn through babysitters that fast, or au pairs, or nannies, right. or whatever? They live right? in your home. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also they're taking care of your kids. Yeah, you know? and I thought the benefit of an au pair was that your kids like formed a relationship with her. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's like, like a second mommy. Right. Like I thought that's what people who did au pairs mm-hmm. were doing them for, for that extra bond, mm-hmm. you know, because they knew they weren't going to be there. So they needed somebody to bond with their kids, I guess. I don't know. I don't, I'm not rich enough for that, but no, I don't know if I would want it either. But anyways, don't worry. He told Swedish newspaper that he was shutting down his business as a result of this murder. <laughs> Thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has sacrifices to make. Yep. <laughs> he could just rebrand, though. Yeah. He could just rebrand. Yeah. <laughs> However, in our story, I think it's important here to note that she was here illegally and on a fake ID. Okay. So she was not. So if there was a wall between Mexico. Mm. Well, and I also, you think. Dude, six that o- fucking wall is for sale right now. <laughs> <laughs> six au pairs, and they have to get somebody illegally. They can't get somebody regular. These are the things that, like, throw some flags into the family mm. she's about to work for. Yeah. So that's just a little background, and, and we're going to talk about that family right now. Her employers were Frank Rapp. He was a commercial photographer. And Susan Nitcher, she was a painter. Karina would take care of their two, quote, young children. In addition, she had to do some housework around the house. Karina worked Monday through Friday in Dover, but on the weekends, she had access to their Southie loft apartment. Frank used the studio to work, but on the weekends, it was all hers, quote, there's many things that have also said Frank was sometimes there on the weekends, like we don't mm-hmm. really know. So I'm, I'm going to say for now that she was the only one there. The loft apartment was on A Street in Southie and about a 15 to 20 minute walk to downtown. This allowed Karina to get around the city very easily. Remember, Karina had the fake ID and she used it often. <laughs> this girl knew how to party. To show you how normal this was, there was a quote from a Norwegian air au pair in one of the articles I read. Almost the first thing you're asking someone is, when you get here, is do you have a fake ID? Because we're used to drinking and doing things at home, and then suddenly you come here and everybody treats you like a child. Oh, because the drinking, do they have a drinking age? They did. We looked it up yesterday. So in bars in um, Sweden, it's 18. Um, It looked like um, clubs, though, tend to require you to be 20. But it almost sounded like, from the descriptions I was reading, that this was kind of like back in the 90s when they said, you know, you couldn't sell cigarettes to kids and, you know, a kid would come we in. We bought them. Yeah, right. say, you know, here's a note from my mom. <laughs> yeah, we would write each other notes yeah. all the time. So it was like, you And know. I also think we, we it's probably customary in the house. You just can't purchase it. Like, it's customary to drink it with your kids, you yeah. know? So it doesn't sound like they were very strict about it. Like, no, you know, you're not sub- like the state runs a liquor store, apparently in Sweden and in, in there. So it's um, sounds almost like, you know, who's going to who are you going to tell? <laughs> you know, who's going to get right. us in trouble? We're the state. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. So yeah. Like kind of that kind of thing. So. We wanted to make sure because I've had friends that have come over from France and stuff and. <laughs> I remember when I worked at Legals, I worked with a few kids that were in college, and they were like, this is so stupid. I've been drinking since I was, like, six, and now I can't even have a glass of wine. Like, it's a big difference, I guess. You know? It is different. Yeah. All right. Karina was young and loved and loved the local downtown scene. Same. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine, right? You're in a new country. you got a Southie apartment. Like, 
That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Boston's a nice place. So. Yeah, and she's a beautiful young Swedish woman. Like you have to remember, she fits the stereotype: tall, blonde, really pretty, loved fashion, like super athletic because she was very outdoorsy. So I'm, this girl was probably a looker, you know, and having a great time. In just a couple of months, Karina had made friends with many of the other au pairs in the area. They traveled together to and from the city nightclubs, attracting attention as a group wherever they went. They had heard about Zanzibar and other clubs from the au pairs who returned home and from Europeans they had befriended there. So this bar became like a hangout for international young, beautiful people. I literally, as I was reading this part in the research, I was like picturing all these gorgeous people shoved into one area because... um, Whenever you see somebody from another country out in the streets, you can tell because their clothing is different. Like, I'll be like, ooh, those jeans are not local. Those are nice. Like, when you look at them, I, I mean, you probably don't do this, David. No. But I, me and I, Megan I do it all the I time. And then I have to Google <laughs> the brand, and I'm like, oh, they're made in Italy. That's why they're gorgeous. Like, just looking at their clothing style, it's so different, and their clothes are made so differently. Like, the zippers are funky. Now you're going to notice it when you're in the city and stuff. Look at the, some of the European clothes. It, they're so intricately made it's crazy blue jean connoisseur gracia well not just blue jeans shirts shoes shoes is so fun like I, i've looked up so many shoe brands based on like seeing somebody on the tee <laughs> like oh well what? i mean our shoes aren't made locally they're made in yeah. like the <laughs> mine are in china <laughs> they're made in philippines <laughs> i got some nice shoes too though so. <laughs> yeah. me too but shoes, when you're sitting next to somebody and they're really nice, then you Google the company, you're like, oh, they're made in Amsterdam, or, you know. They're not sold here, so you got to pay international, whatever. But so you and Megan walk around downtown saying to each other things like, check out the jeans on that chick. Totally. We were in Iceland, and a woman walked by us, and we both like were staring at her dress, and Megan's like, can you get close enough to see what kind it is? I was like, I'm trying, but she keeps turning. Like, she had a label on the side of the dress and I was like trying to get close to that side of her so I could google that label and see if it was possible to order online or did I have to buy this in Iceland like we do this kind of thing <laughs> I drive Terry crazy because I, I hate how much they charge for shoes so I will not buy shoes very often so and I will I wear shoes. them out they, they, they want like $150 for a pair of shoes that's worth maybe 10 you know <laughs> I'm sorry. Jill's I hate like, shoes. So gonna buy them. Dave's gonna have a rant of the week <laughs> about shoes, but I gotta tell you, Dave, that seems. I don't know what shoes they are, but that seems like a good price. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, so let's back to the story, right? There were actually a couple, a good number of them from Sweden, and Karina felt very at home. She'd even gone out on a few dates and seemed to be fitting in nicely. However, just. Four months later, in June, we have some trouble. Here we go. On the night of Friday, June 21st, 1996, Karina and several of her friends met at the Loft apartment to do some pre-gaming. She was celebrating the summer solstice. This is the biggest holiday in Sweden. Their summer solstice is like um, the longest day of the year, and Sweden does go dark for some times where there's like no light. Mm So this is like a day where everybody comes out and they party in the streets. They have like maples and, and food and it, it's just a good time. Yeah. And if you want to really get the effects of how being in the dark for that long actually can affect you, listen to Norwegian black metal music. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. believe me, if like you are in the dark this long, this is what you end up like acting like. like nah! 
Craig, Craig can't, uh, lived in a place where it was dark in the winter. I don't think there's any uh, Canadian black metal. I don't think that exists. Yeah, that would be like, nay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wouldn't have the nar going on. I mean, that's like, yeah. you've got to have that nar. Yeah. <laughs> got to be edgy, Craig. Not many edgies. <laughs> uh, so after the pregame, they went to drinks for drinks at the Zanzibar. A little about this bar. The bar is located in the Back Bay area of Boston. It's not too far from the common. Specifically, it's located on Boylston Place, which is kind of like a little alcove that comes off of Boylston Street. I'm sure some of you guys know that. Um, what I didn't like is some articles I read actually called this like an alley. But if you've ever seen that area, it's cobblestones. It's actually really pretty. The bars in there are all pretty upscale. Like Even in the 90s, I feel like it wasn't an alley by any like description in my mind. Uh, Boston's a beautiful city, but there are a lot of, like, I guess, alleyways, like small yeah. streets. Yeah. You like that but parking lot not. I was talking about tonight. You could call an alley, but it's a beautiful area in the seaport. So. Right. I think the alley connotation yeah. makes it scary, but yeah. it's not like that. Yeah. No, because, like, Megan and I went to a restaurant on Boston Place, and I remember it being, like, actually, like, a really nice area. And this was, yeah. like, when she was in high school, so a few years ago. But I still feel like even when I was down there, I don't remember that being a crappy area. I mean, there definitely was more worse. The combat zone is not too far from there, and that was... Yeah. Well, when Boston's mo- a small city, too. Yeah. Yeah, what years is. were the combat zone? I don't know. Do I haven't know? heard it referred to that in a long time, so I feel yeah. like that was the 90s, maybe. That's what I was thinking. I think yeah. it's when we were growing up, and that's yeah. why I was like, there was a, a bad area during that time, yeah. but I don't remember where it was. Yeah, and some either. of the outskirts, like Dorchester and Jamaica Plains, have mm-hmm. really bad Roxbury, section. yeah. yeah. Jamaica I mean, Plains is really nice now, though. Yeah. yeah so, Gentrification. So. Mm-hmm. And Amen. they have, um, you know, you get, you know... I mean, comparing Boston, though, like, you know, it's nothing like Worcester or Fall River as far as a lot of the violence. And, a lot of Fall River. Yeah, Fall River and Holyoke. And, like, if you really want, like, the dive areas of Massachusetts, you got to go out of Boston. Um, <laughs> to get Boston's, to a shitty bar, get out of the city. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when I was living in Melbury, I had, there was, a, like, a bar right behind our apartment and the bartender used to be like shaking and doing shots of Budweiser all night. It's like, <laughs> now that's a dive bar. Yes, it you is. <laughs> it Craig, like, did you Google what, what years the combat zone was? Can uh, you? No, I was looking at drinking ages across the world uh, and, you know, being disgusted with the U.S. laws. Yeah, they're crazy, aren't they? What, there, I think it was the 90s that there was a section of Boston referred to as the combat zone, mm-hmm. and that's like where there was a lot of killing and drugs and, you know, stupid stuff. But, you know. Yeah. All right. I'm going to keep going until Craig finds that, right? Well, so that was a name given in the 60s to the adult entertainment district in downtown Boston. 60s. So that was just our parents referring to it. Ah. Right? Sounds like it. Sounds like it was my mom just being, you can't go to, to the be, combat zone. It used to be the sign in Worcester down on Piedmont Street that said, warning, AIDS and hepatitis have not yet been contained in this area. <laughs> so. That was in uh, Piedmont Street. Yeah, yeah in Worcester. Yeah. Piedmont, Sorry, yeah. I was just like flaking out. Yeah. It's, um, so anyway, you're in a nice neighborhood when. <laughs> <laughs> the heydays of the combat zone pretty much went through the late 70s and then it was just a shadow of its former self so that's my parents just telling stories then yes and just being old yep (coughs) sorry guys i just choked on my drink (coughs) okay so karina and her friends went into this bar 
They felt like they belonged here. However, that night, Karina never returned home, and unfortunately, no one was really looking for her either. There was This was early cell phones, so technically she was not expected back till Monday morning for work, and there was really no communications. On Sunday morning, 30 hours since Karina was last seen, a homeless man was about to make a horrible discovery. He was searching in a dumpster in the Fenway Park area, 1091 Boylston Street, for recyclable containers. He went in to pick up a bag, and he felt it was super heavy. Now he was curious, so he pulls out the bag. It's double bagged, and there's stuff inside it. He immediately sees an arm, drops the bag, and runs down the street telling everybody, you know, come quickly. I found a body. The police arrive and start to process the crime scene. Immediately they note this is not the crime scene, but a secondary crime scene. The body was just half a body, her torso only. The body was cut in such a way that the killer did not hit any bone. And they simply had to cut through the flesh and the spinal cord to sever. The path of least resistance, if you will. They note that it was such a clean cut that there was only one nick on the hip bone. They suggest it was probably done with some kind of circular saw, and many have speculated that this was like a butcher, medical professional, or somebody with a Dexter-type knowledge. But David is shaking his head no. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't I like just, the circular, the circular saw. saw theory just doesn't, like, circular saw would, like, pull and, you know, that would not, you know, be what you would think of to, David like, has used a circular saw on human flesh. Well. Well, I've never used a circular saw, period, ever, once. I've used it on wood. I've used circle saws before, and it's like, it's kind of, you would think it would have a lot more pulling if you were to try it on a person. When so. in the construction thing, I was like, are they use? <laughs> of course, I'm like starting to think, like, what kind of blade is on this? Because if you have, like, those ones that, um, when I worked for a brick mason contractor, I used to have to order the diamond blades. Yeah, the diamond blade will so that they right through anything. Slush, yeah. yeah. Like, spine. that could probably go through it. I mean, it went through concrete like nothing and didn't char the concrete. Yeah, I guess maybe if you were using something like that. But I just, I don't yeah. know. It's just like a circle saw almost to me, like, it would make a jagged cut. Yeah. You know, they said the cut was clean. So you we'll keep looking at me, going, you know, and I'm like, dude, no, <laughs> I we'll barely know what them. a saw is. <laughs> Can I picture what a circular saw is in my head? No. We'll write a letter to the medical examiner and say we don't, we don't uh, concur. Don't you. We veto. Yes. <laughs> um, to this day, the bottom half of her body has never been found. This part has been very hard for the cops to determine if it was a sex crime or if there were any damage to the lower half of her body for any other reason. Um, there is a lot of speculation um, on why you would discard the bottom half separately like that. Um, was there a sexual assault? Was she pregnant and that part got rid of the uterus? Like, what's going on here? Why did they take so little care of the top half but a ton of care of the bottom half? Like, that's Well, I guess theoretically you don't know if they took good care of the bottom half because you don't know where it is don't right? know yeah, yeah. And, well look what they could also have been t- sent out to the fishes they they yeah. put the bo- the top half of the body in somewhere where it would obviously be found pretty quickly you know because even if the you know when they take the trash out um it goes into the dump uh that's going to be found um you know you can't really dump bodies in dumpsters and expect them not to be found right and this dumpster Um, was full it was set to be um done on monday so they found it on sunday it was set to be disposed of on monday so they wanted the top part found Mm -hmm. so uh some interesting things to point out about the body it was cleaned completely no blood to the point that they even removed her makeup completely. 
There was little to no blood or every, any evidence found in the bag or the dumpster itself. Only one partial fingerprint was found on the inside of one of the bags. To this day, this fingerprint has not been matched to anyone. The medical examiner determined that she had been strangled to death as there were ligature marks on her neck and her wrists. They eventually identified the body as Karina. Investigators began to retrace her last known movements. Since there was a lot of drinking, as you can expect, this story is about to go a little all over the place, everybody. So stick with me because there are a lot of little facts in here. Um, uh, there are like five suspects that we have. Um, I have two that I think in my mind, but like I'm no expert because they really are tight-lipped with this. Um, I listened to four other podcasts on this just to see like what other people were saying about it. And they all list the same suspects. They all kind of say the same things. But everybody in this case talks about how the Boston PD, like, dismissed suspects so fast. Mm -hmm. Like, they just said, nope, not him. Nope, not him. Not we're still investigating. They would come out with, nope, not him. We've eliminated him as a suspect. Oh, that's interesting. Which you find very interesting throughout the story. Like, why not just keep everybody in the possibility list if you don't know? But... All right, here we go. How much do they charge for that, by the way? <laughs> uh, however, some of them are telling the same story, so there has to be some truth in all of this. From early, we know that Karina's with her friends at Zanzibar. She was wearing a blackish-gray shirt with a silver sweater and silver tight pants. So I think the important part in that is that she's noticeable, right? Like, right. when you're wearing three-quarters of your body in silver, people notice you. Yeah, when you're dressed like the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Even I might notice. <laughs> I might not know where the jeans came from. <laughs> um, also, everybody says she was very intoxicated. I'm not saying this to shame here. We've all, shame her, we've all been there. Uh, she's young, she's having fun in a super fun city. I just wanted to set the mood on what was going on in Karina's attitude. She's dressed up, she's trying to have fun, it's a big holiday. She pre-gamed. You know, she's been drinking for a while. So much so, a server at the bar saw her with her head in her hands and rocking back and forth. She then went up to the bartender to say, cut this girl off. And he said, I already have. Her last few drinks have all been water. Oh. So he had already switched her off, but her friends and all were having a good time. So he didn't want to, like, ruin the party. So he'd already switched her to water, but he switched her too late, you know. Some patrons then saw they saw her passed out in the bathroom, woke her up. She moved around a bit again. Um, another patron who was smoking outside says that he saw her get kicked out of the bar eventually. Um, there are some reports that she went outside to get air. Some say she was kicked out. So either way, she gets outside the bar, and she can't get back into her friends. She tries to get the bouncer to let her back in, and he said, it's already been last call. You can't go back in. Which I get his point, right? But, but now you've just put a woman all alone, vulnerable on the road, who's drunk in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, she was inside. I think, you know, I mean, maybe things have changed nowadays that they would say, "Let me go get your friends" or something. But like, well, if it was already last call, too, they should be coming out any time. Yeah. Right. It shouldn't be like a long wait, right? Even if he said, "Hey, sit here with me. Like, here's your chair. Let's right. wait for your friends to come out." He just turned her away. Yeah, and, and um, he probably feels really bad about that nowadays, but. Um, all right. Okay, so there we go. Um, what the stories have all in common is that she got kicked out in between 1.30 and 2 a.m.-ish. This is where things get a little different. I'm going to try to quickly go through some of the suspects, as we, and then we'll talk about them again later. Um, she starts dancing with a homeless guy because, you know, Makes why sense. not? Can't yeah. get in the bar. He's right there. Time to party. 
Um, then a couple of his friends, her friends do come out of the bar, and she's seen talking to these four men. They are um, in a gray Mitsubishi, and um, they're talking about going to an after party and trying to convince Karina to go. One of her friends has a guy with her, and he's like, whoa, i got to go over and mm-hmm. you know, intervene. This might not be so good for her. Four boys, one girl. Um, he didn't like those odds. Um, so he gets over there, and they actually get into a big altercation where the four guys threaten to bash his head in. Oh, gosh. If he doesn't walk away from Karina. So he walks away, which, you know, again, um, he walks away, and then the friends ha- kind of had this rule they all go together, but nobody leaves together. They're all, they have this, like, time to get laid vibe. Oh, like a pact, sex right. pact or something. They yeah. don't wait for each other. They don't, I mean, this is, of course, pre-times where. Pre-cell phones, yeah. Right. They don't check in with each other. Half of them don't even tell people where they're going. So it really was, like, weird in all these interviews to hear their friends say, happens all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. we go off with people, and then we come back, and mm, it is what it is, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Some witnesses then say that they saw Karina leave the nightclub with an older man. He was in his 40s, a construction worker type with wavy hair. They said that Karina appeared to be intoxicated and was complaining to her fr- that her friends had abandoned her to this man. Karina told one of her friends she was going to go to a party with this old man. Uh, one witness says that Karina was talking to a man who had a big white dog. What makes this stand out? is this man and his dog were were wearing matching Superman shirts. Okay, that's not that weird because sometimes we've (laughs) dressed in the same outfits as our dogs. But this is how they stand out in everybody's mind, though, right? So you got to think, all these people are drunk, so, like, what stands out in your mind? Oh, look, they're wearing Superman shirts. It's a big white dog. So when you're drunk, you don't remember little details, like the four men in the Mitsubishi. Only, like, two people remember that because they were just regular guys. But, like, Superman shirts, people remember that. Yeah. Um, so a bunch of people said that. So with so many conflicting stories, the investigators um, asked the nightclub for their video footage for the front. Um, this is tough because it's the 90s, and in the article it kind of says that not all of the bars around there had footage. Right. So they tried to get it from a bunch, but they could only get it from, like, one or two, which nowadays they said they probably could have compiled something nice because it's such mm-hmm. an area where there yeah. is, like, five or six cameras on you, but not <clears throat> back then. Um, the footage was a little grainy. Um, and someone who looked like Karina was speaking to a man who was estimated to be in his 40s who had the dog with him. The footage suggests that the man offered Karina to get into the car. So he, like, it kind of shows her going towards a car, but then it cuts out because it's too far away. So let's start with our first suspect, Mr. Superman with his super pup. Uh, this man would later be identified as Andover resident Herbert Witten. Herb was well-known in the area. He often dressed himself up and his do- with his dog in the Superman costume to speak to patrons coming outside of bars. This is creepy. Let's really take a look at this. Yeah. Herb is a single man who lives over 30 minutes from this area. Yeah, Andover's far. Yeah, it's up 495 yeah. ways. Yeah. So, yeah. One of the conspiracy websites said it took 32 minutes to go from that bar to his home. And that's like without going to get your car to parking, like 32-minute drive to walk your dog at 3 a.m. Yeah. You know, like the time is off. And so he frequents these late-night areas to meet people. He mentions to the cops that the dog and the matching shirts bring a lot of attention from the ladies, and he's often scored. (laughs) I just don't have any words. Come on. No one has like that. (laughs) Come on. Finding all the drunk chicks, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, right? He's is. a predator. Yeah, he yeah. he's a predator. He is a predator. That's exactly yeah. what he is. 
And he's down there tricking he's, them. He's scored. They probably haven't been willing. He's but, scored yeah, because yeah. he's finding drunk girls yeah. coming out of bars. Exactly. Yeah, who probably aren't who capable are of making out. good decisions. Yeah, yeah. They got kicked out of the bars. Yeah. And what's so. the difference between him and Bundy? Like, because he, the cute dog, he's bringing girls in with the dog, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's like, a, and Bundy would act, he would often have, like, some sort of, you know, like a fake cast or something to look right. injured. You know, that's what he used to do and be, like, trying to, struggling with a briefcase or something. Yeah. And be like, can you help me? And they'd try and pick it up, and that that's when he'd attack them. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's not for sure this guy was like hardcore raping them right but it's like date rape right? it's like date rape yeah. I think that I don't think yeah. it's hardcore rape because right. I mean not that I'm trying to yeah. no we're gonna get into it where but... um he's you know a little off um but I don't think he intentionally was raping anybody but he needed them to lower their ambitions in yeah. order to be with him Amy's a 40 year old man who loses his dog in Andover mm-hmm. like I'm just I get it I don't know what he's got going for him in his life yeah um but I think he's a predator because that's just... I do, too. You're going yeah. down there looking for someone who can't cognitively give you right. her yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's right there. That's a dickhead or douche canoe, whatever yep. you want to call him. <laughs> yep. um, I don't like it. Um, Herb is looked at by police, but he's dismissed quickly. And you'll see that this is a, a theme in this, that they keep dismissing people so fast. And they dismiss him because they say he got a speeding ticket that night on the way home from the bars. The issue I have with this is that she could have been in the trunk. He could have. Right. Yeah. Like, you didn't search the car. You just gave him a speeding ticket and let him on his way. Yeah. And you don't necessarily document every person that was in the car. So if you get pulled over, you're driving too fast. You know, the police ask, you know, who's with you? And you just say, oh, it's my daughter. They're not going to document that. Daughter, girlfriend, she's sleeping. Sleeping in the back. Yeah. So. Anything could have been. I mean, this was a routine stop, so he quickly got a ticket and got out of there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really, yeah. I don't think this takes him out. However, in January, Herb is scared. He takes his own life. Oh, gosh. He slit his throat. Um, that that's an interesting yeah. response to <laughs> being disqualified as a suspect. Yeah. Correct, right? Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> unusual. You didn't do it. Oh, really? <laughs> I can't yeah. live with the guilt. Or, I don't know. I don't know what he... And, of course, we don't know what Herb was thinking. Slitting your throat is not a common suicide practice either. I I don't know what the numbers are on that as a method of a suicide, but I would say in most cases somebody with their throat cut didn't commit suicide. Right. That you're um, interesting because we're about to bring that up. According to his lawyer, which he had one, of course, (laughs) while he was never publicly identified as a suspect, he fell into a deep depression following his involvement in this case. The lawyer said he was a decent guy who had some problems. Of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah, that's, it sounds like he's a little problematic for sure. (laughs) Following, Following his death, there was a flurry of interest in the case when bones were discovered in his yard. However, it was determined that those bones are animal, um, when this Herbert fell, bones in their yard. This guy's uh, interesting. Your parents do. Oh, true. That's true. Never mind. Forget it. Yeah, um, I we buried one of our cats in our yard too. So. And I did find something online that his neighbor was on Reddit and um, said that the night that the cops came to like find his body, um, they said 
the guy came out to be like, oh, it's going on next door. You know, mm-hmm. who wouldn't? I mean, cops yeah. all over your front yard. Yeah. So they're like, oh, what's going on? And the, and the neighbor said, uh, some kind of homicide. It's a violent scene in there. Ooh. So this is where some people think it wasn't suicide, mm-hmm. that he was killed. Um, who knows? I mean, now they and now he's definitely not a suspect, but they already ruled him out for the speeding ticket. So <laughs> suspect number two is the family she's living with. Um, I put him together as a suspect because I do think Frank did it, but I think Susan knew about it. So I'm not really sure. Like. Frank, for me, is even more of a suspect than the other guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did it, you know. But Frank is creepy. Um, There are a few things that don't match up. Number one, in response to the news report on Sunday, they call the police and say they think it might be Karina. So the news report comes out, and it is literally just body found, young, blonde woman, no real description. They call and say, I think that's our our au pair. Hmm. And... There's a lot of young blonde women in Boston. I'm just not sure that like, yeah. how do you know like, yeah. <laughs> how do you, like they called like right away to be like I think it's her like you should check. Well, how long had so like she was probably supposed to have shown up for work though, right? The next day. Oh, the next day. Right. Uh, so she wasn't due back till either late Sunday night or Monday morning, and this is Sunday afternoonish. Oh well, I thought it probably wouldn't have gotten out to the press though until Monday. No, they did like an alert say, like you oh, know, like they didn't like, like do an like Amber a full, alert, yeah. kind right? Of thing. Like okay. body was found, more more details to follow. You know, not not a uh, big. That's why I said there was so little information. Okay, all right. To call and say this is somebody, it just it's like body found. Okay, like, I have the timeline wrong in my head. Yeah. Oh, well, I it, know it is that a confusing body. story. I left it. My next issue is with Frank. Many of the women in his life label him as piggish. They say he often tried to cross lines and made inappropriate comments towards them. Several au pairs even said he creeped them out. Think about it. Six au pairs before Karina from just one agency. How many others do we not know about? Right. So for me, his creep factor is pretty large, and some of the other things have said that he put Karina there so he could have um, a place to sleep with her without his wife. Oh. That they were having, like, a full-on affair. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where the pregnancy thing came in. Now, there's not much to back up that evidence. I'm That's why I didn't put it in here. But it is a theory that's been thrown around by some people that, like, that's why it's half the body. He needed to get rid of everything. Like, Frank was um, an intelligent man. Didn't Frank's wife, like, be like, hey, how come we're on nanny number seven? Right. You don't know. Yeah, don't I, you know, I get the impression, like, with a lot of these really upper class people, like, a lot of it, they're so concerned about their appearance and their reputations yeah. that, you know, it's not shocking that a guy's having affairs with or harassing your au pairs and the wife is just basically like, yeah, I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm going to okay. make us. And these are all women from other yeah, countries. So that's fair. There's no record. Yeah. Like, they just go home. Right. They don't. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because nobody knows that he did any of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, The third thing that really speaks to me is that they were interviewed by the police on Monday morning. Um, They lawyered up and were labeled as uncooperative. Now, that's not what bothers me. The lawyering up is a must for everyone. I mean, especially in the 90s. We're going to talk about the police force in the 90s and all of the issues there were. But it said a few hours later after they were interviewed, there's a dumpster fire at their house. (laughs) And everything is incinerated. A literal dumpster fire. Yeah. Like it. Like... Why do they have a dumpster at their house, though? They live in, like, a gated community 
in Dover, and it's one that they share with a couple other um, houses. Okay. But it is theirs. It is the one that they put their garbage in, and it caught on fire hours after they were um, interrogated. Hmm. So they go into this interrogation, they're considered uncooperative, and then they go home and burn shit. Like, well, how many flags can go up before the... But the cops are like, oh, no, we're going to rule them out. There were no human remains in there. But what about other evidence? What about, Mm -hmm. like... Tarps or right. like clothing, clothing, yeah. um, anything else. Like, just how often does a dumpster catch on fire just by coincidence rather than somebody setting it? I've yeah, never I mean, seen one, but we do use the term dumpster fire, so maybe a lot. I think it's because it's an al- anomaly, right? Like, I don't know. I would think that, I mean, especially in Dover, you're not like you're not in a dive place. Like, yeah, this is not I a bum know. throwing a cigarette in there. You know, well, even if you threw a cigarette and like, I mean, most trash has there's enough liquid and there's enough stuff that's wet. You normally would have to douse a dumpster with gas and then light it to get it to. Well, insist. she's a painter, too. So I was thinking she probably has that paint that's like an accelerant. You know, some of the paints yep. are like super Oil flammable. Too, and yeah. It incinerated everything. Then it had to be a hot accelerant. It couldn't be something that would just, you know just a normal fire would take forever for it to incinerate everything so yeah. you have to have some sort of accelerant yeah remember when your house so. burned down that's yep. true yeah yeah you need something to fuel it so i thought immediately like they put whatever they needed in there and then she dumped some of that extra paint over that she has that and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean it won't take long by the time the fire department gets there all your shit is gone right and even if there were scraps in there you could say somebody else in the building they were from you know um, we can talk about this forever, but at the very least, this is tampering with an investigation. Like, they should have been charged at least yeah. with that. Like, I mean, right. I know they can't say it, but police should have looked at them for that, you know? Um, there was another Reddit, and it, it's, um, I'm from Dover, and the cops still think the family did it. Like, I read that for a while, that it is the cops' belief that the family did it, but they can't prove it. Um, I don't know that that's a true statement, but mm-hmm. it is something I saw on Reddit. I try not to put all the Reddit stuff in here, but I find it interesting. Yeah, sometimes Reddit I can tend be to a think rabbit the family. I, I tend to think that probably he got the young lady pregnant. Maybe she was blackmailing him, maybe not, but um, he... he knew that there was a problem here because he got her pregnant and that's why he removed the uh, was he like a doctor though or something a commercial photographer yeah Yeah, i I mean this is such a horrible way to dispose of a body though you know like that doesn't seem to me like you know i don't want to be blackmailed anymore i'm going to kill you you know so i'll cut your body in half and then wash it like that seems odd well it's to get the fetus right so because if they but washing it if they find a fetus and then they tie it back to him. But right? they washed the top half of the body? Yep. Clean. Yeah, clean. But so clean. that's what I'm saying. Like, like you cut it in half to get rid of the fetus. Okay, fine. I mean, you could have probably just done an abortion, <laughs> but whatever. That's fine. But, like, then you go through all the work of cleaning off Her the body. top half. Like, that's the part that's like, hmm. I mean, because obviously she's dead. She's been cut in half. So blood shouldn't be, like... Oh, we got to get rid of the blood. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Feels like they got rid of everything. Else. Like, even under her nails were clean. They yeah. would have had to clean under her nails because... That's if you think about somebody choking you, you're just naturally going to try and get their arms yeah. away. And you're going to get... You're going to scratch. Yeah, scratches. And on, maybe backwards pull some hair. Yeah. Did he have any... 
he or she have any wounds on them? Since? Not that they say they ruled them out so quickly that, that they didn't check. They didn't look. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he has an alibi, so they rule him out like the next day. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're getting to his alibi, but I think it sucks. Um, it's his mom. Hey, shh. Okay. <laughs> the last thing I want to say that, that kind of makes me feel like um, something was going on that we didn't know about was um, it was uncovered during the investigation that Karina had been planning to cut her trip short and go home. She was going to return in August. Um, th- it's not really known why, but in, she writes a couple letters to her family. She'd been writing them the whole time, and then it started to turn dark. Um, in one letter, she just complains about the amount of housework, and it's not that what she expected. However, then to her best friend, she sends um, a quote that is kind of a little scary for most women when you think about it. She says, quote, something terrible has happened. I can't tell you right now, but I'll tell you as soon as I get home. Hmm. Something terrible has happened. Fucking speak up because yeah. mm-hmm. now nobody knows what terrible happened. We don't know was she raped. Yeah. You know, we, we was she what hap- what is something terrible? Like in my mind it goes right to rape just because that's something terrible. Oh, well, and yeah. a lot of women don't want to speak out about that because it's sure. a, it's also a crime of humiliation, right? Like Right. So and when you're not there when you're corresponding via mail, like yeah, I could it's see hard. me being like, tell you in person, like even when we text even today, there's stuff that you don't no. want to text. Like my friend Ellen texted me this morning was like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And then she called because what she had to say wasn't textable. You yeah, know? I agree with that. Because there's times where I don't want to say something over text. And plus you lose connotation over text. Yeah. And I feel like if she was scared, but that the two lines of something terrible has happened. Like, yeah, it could be a lot. Yeah. Could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously something. We'll never know what it is, but maybe one of our suspects does. You know, I don't know. Somebody knows. Somebody knows. And then there's Susan. Um, she's also discussed as a possible, like, involvement in the crime. Um, I kind of agree with David that if she was part of it, she was more of a cover-up part of it. Like, Frank killed her, and then she came in to help clean, and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's the person who cleaned the body and took the makeup off. I don't know. Boy, I'd make my husband buy me a big, nice diamond ring. <laughs> I had to clean up some body <laughs> with you. Like, what the fuck, Craig? <laughs> Uh, many people say that she's involved because of her paintings. Um, I'll find some photos of these paintings and put them out. Um, there are some that do look like a man killing a woman. There is some half a bottle, <laughs> half a body things. There's all these different parts that like do kind of like make you say, okay, she's crazy or she did it. But also, she's also dealing with grief. Like yeah, this person have, like, lived PTSD. in her home. PTSD. Yeah. Right. There could be many reasons why she's painting that. So I don't want to speculate, but. People have speculated because of those paintings that she took part in it in some way, whether it was the actual crime or the cover-up. But, um, or maybe she's just picturing what could have happened. Who knows? However, the police rule them out. Their alibi is that Frank's mommy and daddy were visiting from New York. And no they spent parents. almost... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I said mommy and daddy on purpose, because, like, come on, who's a better alibi than your mom and dad? Well... Um, not for me. My yeah, parents are fucking crazy. Forget. Yeah, like I have a daughter. Yeah, dad will totally forget, and mom will be like, "I'm fucking lying for you." So, not a good alibi for us. Uh, some people. Dave and I are screwed. Craig, yeah. you feel me on the mom and dad thing, right? Yeah. Frank's mother sure. and dad are, were visiting from New York, and they spent almost every hour with them that whole weekend. So they would they vouched for them. Saying, well, when Craig's parents do come down, they do spend a lot of time with Craig. That's true. I don't know what they'd say about you murdering someone, but... Yeah, they're against it. 
<laughs> but if you were gone for a while, would they really be like, hmm, well, he left for two hours, though. We were with him all the whole time except for, like, five hours. Like, well, they wouldn't do my that. parents don't really spend a lot of time at 1 o'clock in the morning hanging out either. Yeah, Wayne yeah. There's a valid part, right? Because yeah. she was taken at 3 a.m., so were your parents sleeping in your bed? Did they yeah. know whether you no. left? Like, good point, no. Craig. Um, the third suspect is the homeless man that was dancing above. Um, the cops look at him briefly just because he was one of the last people that is known to make contact with her. His name was Juan Polo, which I just thought was a fun name, so I had to put it in there. It is a good name. Right? Juan Polo. It sounds like he's like um, a three musketeer or something, right? <laughs> um, the police look at him for that reason only, and they quickly rule him out because he is seen, like, all over Boston for the rest of the night. Like, and where is he going to do this? Like, does the dude have a saw? Like, it's just... <laughs> well, if it's somebody that doesn't know her, like Juan yeah. Polo there, it, like, you'd think it would happen again. Right. Right. That it yeah. would be like a murder that they need to do again and again. If this is a serial killer, we right. have the same M.O. numerous times, mm-hmm. but we only have one. So, yeah. 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 So that's probably why I'd um, rule out Juan Polo. So after Juan Polo, they're trying to figure out who's next. <laughs> um, but they dismiss somebody really quickly that I want to take a look at. Um, so one investigator says it's not like she has a boyfriend or anything we can look at. But remember earlier where I said she had just started dating? For me, this is suspect number four, but he could be closer to the top for me because of how corrupt um, the world was at the time. Um, he was a Boston cop. Um, there is very little out oh, there on him. <laughs> very little out there on him. And she was actively seeing him, and they had a sexual relationship, um, so her friend said. Do not know his name. Everything is hidden. At the time, the police force was very corrupt and the cop on the investigation's name was like of course like O'Malley or O'Sullivan or Murphy or something (laughs) and he was like nope good guy he gave me his alibi he's all set like I'm not even going to tell you his name like they wouldn't they didn't give any information out oh wow and usually it's always like you look to the family first or the boyfriend first or something the boyfriend right boyfriend's a big always a big suspect yeah especially if like he was say married this yes. is what dave and i yeah. said yeah. what if he was married and she got pregnant and she threatened and to tell anybody terrible, well even just getting pregnant like we don't know her religious background but maybe yeah. she doesn't believe in abortion so there's a problem because he's married she's pregnant with his mm-hmm. child and she's like i'm you know i'm not going to get an abortion because my religion doesn't allow for that and yeah you know so he has a problem it's like yeah, you know. and that maybe and helps cop. make the cleaning of the body make more sense mm-hmm. because he would be aware of DNA and yeah. all the shit that they do, right? So sure. he could have scrubbed her fingernails down. and everything yeah. and then cleaned yeah. them. Because that just seems like so weird that like if a family had done that and mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that it would be like, I don't know, like more of a panicked crime, especially yeah. if it's their first one. You're not used to dealing with dead bodies mm-hmm. and yeah. all that's that true. shit. You know, yeah. that's why I have trouble following the parent, you know yeah. the family yeah. part the but photographer would not normally be typically able to not throw up during the pro- which might be yeah. why he I picture his up. cold calculated wife coming in and doing that yeah, like I still don't like mean. I pit, you know those movies where like um, what's the movie with um, what's the really good looking guy oh my god I'll think okay of it. I'll guess Bradley Cooper murder by numbers has anybody watched that movie yeah I've seen murder um, by numbers nope it's re- it's a really good movie. Uh, Ryan Gosling, that's who's in it. Um, he, yep, he's he, good looking. He's a killer in it, and it's interesting. It's an interesting movie. Did you just give away the ending? Nope. Okay. But there is some parts where you know he, he discusses how to be okay with the crime scene. Oh, like, okay. He's murdering multiple people, and how he becomes 
okay with uh, oh, okay. the maybe, crime scene itself. Maybe we'll give it a view, huh, Craigie? It is interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um, so anyways, he's a big suspect for me. Um, I just feel like there's so much we don't know about him. And at the time, um, I Googled some articles about the 90s in the Boston Police Force. Their homicide was division was rated one of the worst in the country. Um, their cases were full of the blue walls of silence, um, false suspects being charged wrongly, um, them framing people, like knowing it was this guy, but blaming the black guy and putting all the evidence in his house and then raiding it. Um, that was all happening during this time because um, they, they were protecting their buddies. Um, there were a lot of cops that were actually like um, on the take for local criminals at this time. Like um, shortly thereafter, the um, chief of police resigned because it was so bad and they had to put a new one in. Um, and whether it got better or worse from there. But um, one of the articles I read was pretty much like the entire force was so blue wall of silence that no matter if this guy did it or not, they would not have looked at him. Mm -hmm. No, it's not one of us. It's somebody else, period. Okay. Um, so they interview him on day one of the investigation and dismiss him right away. So most places don't even talk about him. Now the cops appear to be at a standstill. The investigation began with very scant evidence and would sadly go cold within the first few weeks. The only piece of evidence in the case is that partial fingerprints. They really have nothing to go on. The swabs of her mouth, fingernails, nothing was revealed because the body was cleaned way too clearly. We've mm -hmm. said that before. So they start grasping at straws, and they turn to suspect number five, this poor, poor 90s man. Um, this guy is typical uh, blame the metalhead guy. Yeah. You know? um, he's just a local heroin addict. Uh, um, he, I mean, you look at his photo. His name is John Zewis. Um, there's no reason why he should have been looked at except for the fact that he lives near where the body was found. Nothing else ties him to her. Nothing else ties him to the case. Um, he is a heroin addict, like I said. He has some small run-ins with the police, but it's mostly based on his heroin use. Nothing crazy. Um, he has no violent crimes. He is a member of the band Sleep Chamber, who labels themselves as an industrial techno-tribal band. Those words together, I... So, <laughs> industrial techno-tribal band, who are into S&M, bondage, and magic. Oh. Yeah. You know? I like it. I mean, he's the typical wears all black, crazy hair. Like, he's yeah. just looks the part for people. Like, oh, he's creepy. Mm -hmm. But he's not actually creepy. He's just different, right. you know? Um, although the band does have fetish stage dancers who call themselves the barbiturates. Um, Everybody has to have a job. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there are worse. It was like a band around that time. They even got on some talk shows at one point because they had a singer who um, could make himself vomit. He had practiced me, and he would vomit on people oh, that's on nice. stage. Awesome. It's like, and he'd bring people up onto stage and vomit on them. This um, is a weird time for music. I mean, it's the time of also like Puff Daddy and stuff, but it's also the time of like some serious grunge. I mean, yeah. you got both there. Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off some kind of animal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know, I mean, nineties. I mean, you got yeah. I mean, at this point, ninety six, you're kind of like got the Smashing Pumpkins. You got Nine Inch Nail. You got yeah. like a lot of that dark yeah. kind of music. So it's like you know, yeah. 
Um, so the other thing that people say that relates him to that is in one of his songs, he says a line about hanging out at Zanzibar. But like that would be like, oh, anybody who walked in Zanzibar is actually guilty. Yeah. I don't know. It's right near his house, so he probably walked in there. Like I don't know that that Makes sense. links yeah. him to me. Um, the last person we're going to talk about um, is uh, named Gregory Hummel. He was arrested in December of that same year for attacking a woman he picked up at Zanzibar. He took the woman back the woman back to his apartment. He punched her in the face and sexually assaulted her. Ooh. She managed to somehow get away and lock himself in her in his bathroom. She had his mobile phone and she called the police. The investigation uncovered that this was not the first attack. He has done this to many women. He frequently picked women up outside nightclubs and attacked them. While it appeared as though this could have been a much-needed lead in the case, he would quickly be ruled out as a suspect. That's all it says. <laughs> why is this... The fact that it just keeps saying that they're quickly ruled out, why is that word quickly? And I use it so often because it's in everything I found. Oh, why are okay. they quickly ruled out? Yeah. Ruled out, I got you. Right. Well, because it doesn't take long to go into your wallet and say, here's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> $500. Yeah. Stop I'm looking no at me. Suspect. Agreed. Yeah. yeah Agreed. I mean, you, you think or about. Or he's a buddy of somebody, the right? The way the Boston sex abuse um, scandal with the church was being handled by the Boston PD, it was absolute absurdity. I mean, they constantly had people coming in saying that they had been abused by these priest and the Boston police would be like, yeah, so what? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who hasn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go back. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, so the body is returned to Sweden so her family can have a proper burial. The sad, I didn't put this in here, but one of the articles I read is one of the cops was saying when he called the dad to say, like, we're sending her home, he said, what are you sending me? Like, what parts right. of, like, what is left? You know, can mm-hmm. you imagine? No. Anyways, um, so at her funeral, they all decide to wear bright colors to pay homage to Karina because she loves life and color and would have hated an all-black funeral. Nice. Eventually, the moments turn into years. Sorry, let's start that again. Eventually, the months turn into years and it leads dwindle to nothing. Despite an exhaustive investigation, the brutal murder of Karina Homer still remains unsolved. Her father, Ola, said over the years that grief has gradually subsided and they'd like to focus on Karina as the daughter they lost as opposed to the grim circumstances that surrounded her death. It is a great tragedy that she was lost at such a young age and in such a sad way. It breaks my heart this family will never know what happened to their daughter. It doesn't sound like it was that exhaustive of a search. It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's given the cops too much credit, but he's also overseas. Like, I Mm -hmm. am literally trying to picture this. Like, how many times have you heard people tell you to be an advocate for something? Because especially back then when the cops were so corrupt, having a parent that shows up every day to be like, what the fuck are you doing in my case? What are you doing in my case? He can't. He's across the country. He doesn't know what's going on. Like, he, I mean, he's across the world, not country. Well, he can. I mean, it's, yeah. it's he could fly eight hour flight. Yeah. Yeah, but it's probably expensive. Can he could get be. here? Does yeah. he have visa? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there are all kinds of things that. How how much money do they have? They're from a small town. I I heard one place that um, their town had a hundred people in it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that they're of um, good means. Yeah. You know, um, could he afford to be over here, not on the farm, or? Whatever, like I don't, right. I don't know. I mean, I guess you would do everything for your child, but how much can he do? Right, you know. Um, I just felt like the case was so sad, and for that to never have anything come of it. I mean, obviously somebody knows, and for me, the cop is the number one suspect. Um, quickly behind that would be Frank, um, but 
And the cops probably wouldn't have taken this seriously one way or the other because I think they're, you know, they're looking at her as an immigrant and a young girl that got herself drunk and they're kind of like, well, you know, you paid a Shit black. happens. You know, yeah. Like that, that's kind of their attitude. And yeah. we saw that when, you know, Mr. Landry got pulled over. Mm-hmm. You know, their attitude towards these situations is wrong. Right. You know, so. Yeah. They try to relate too much to the man and not look at the whole situation. They're yeah. spending the whole time relating. Is what yeah. I felt that video looked like. Was like, oh, you're trying to relate with him? Like, Oh, the video of Brian Landry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I should have said that. But no, no, they, no, didn't no, you yeah. feel like he was trying to relate? Like, hey, buddy, Honestly, you're the same. I didn't watch it because I just didn't. I you just, I can't. To. Yeah, it's, it's just, like, it's too, like, fresh. Like, yeah, I, I, my wife acts like this sometimes, too. And then he, and he fist bumped him at one point. It's yeah. like, yeah. You know. I just can't right so, now. Yeah. It infuriates yeah. you. Yeah. 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 yeah it was... Just, the way that cops have the interactions with the victims, I mean, especially we're talking in the 90s, right? So, like, the girl was still blamed. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, sh- I mean, we are still t- t- today, but... Um, more today you can get some support but in the 90s she was she was drunk she was you know like there's so many factors they would have blamed her for being in that situation and not necessarily said like this guy did it yeah yeah they absolutely do still do that but with social media it's easier to sort of get some support yeah Yeah. exactly which wasn't a thing back then no back then you got no support so here at least you could go to these shelters that could help you that could get you financial um, backing from a lawyer or maybe get you some help um, as far as resources as uh, counselors and right. you know groups to join back then oh yeah Nothing. You, yeah exactly you know, yeah it's quite a difference in society mm-hmm. yep i agree it's kind of sad to think we're where we are and we've actually improved I know. Is that crazy? That is really sad. Yeah, I don't think anybody said that like that before. But yeah, you're right. That's like, depressing. We've gotten so much better. <laughs> yeah. Look at us. Yeah. No, it's, it's the awful. problem is how slow we got yeah. so much better. You yeah. know, it's not that we got better. That you know, this should have been years ago, and yeah. now we should be you know Somewhere paying more else. attention to victims. Girls yeah. are still being sent home from school because their clothing will distract boys. Like that's a problem. Yeah, yeah it, it is. That's and that ridiculous. happens all the time. Still, yeah. like what the fuck. You guys didn't see me, but I banged my head on my microphone because that line, I've heard people say it like, I got kicked out of school for this, and it's just, what? Yeah, yeah, it's so stupid. I don't understand that. Yeah, I know. What do you got to say over there, Craig? Uh, I was actually just wondering if there was any information on what had been used to clean her body. So, you know, presumably somebody wants to remove DNA or something like that. How did they go about it? Would that, it's gotta you know, be something if it's like, like say, paint thinner maybe right. look at the then way. it would be more Susan wouldn't that have eaten through her skin though I don't know well I don't know I don't know either to be yeah, fair I've well, never poured paint thinner on anyone <laughs> <laughs> never to see what happens um, I feel like the stuff that I saw was all based upon the amount of hours that the person had her um, she was last seen around like 3.30 4am um, at a store 24 um, a corner of uh, I think it was like Boylston and Tremont area, like not that exact corner, but around that area, and then never seen again. Um, she was caught on some video footage there, but like it's black and white. Was it really her? So they're not really, sh- they don't even verify that sighting. And then it's 30 hours that this killer has with her because they do feel the body was dumped freshly. I don't know yeah, if I they should have that. been able to tell by rigor or something like that, right? Yeah. It was a fresh dump like that day. They felt like the, the I think he found her at like 9 a.m., and they feel she was only in there for a couple of hours. 
Yeah. And how close was that to where she was last seen? Do you know? Two and a half miles. Do you remember seeing it? It wasn't far, but it was too far to walk. By Boston standards, two and a half miles is far. The whole city's only right. three miles. That's what they said. Too yeah. far to walk, but not too far. Yeah. Like. So it was over by Fenway, actually. But right? she'd already walked to that Boylston Tremont Street oh, okay. area. So she, they think she walked there and then got into the car with somebody um, at that store. Wasn't it by Fenway? Uh, Fenway's where she was dropped. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Back Bay was where she was drinking. Yeah, that's not walkable. No, no. it's not. No, but it's also 30 hours later, so who... <clears throat> right. Know, like, it It definitely yeah. was a secondary site. Like, mm-hmm. somebody... But they've took a lot of... A lot of the um, discussions on it are based on, like, why that dumpster? You know, like, it's um, down this alleyway, and then it's, like, behind the corner of the L shape. So it's not a dumpster you see from the street. Mm-hmm. It's a dumpster you'd have to know is there. Or gone down the alley and been like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. But... It's not one that's visible from the street. So why was that one chosen as opposed to every other dumpster to dump the right. body where, you know, who lives near there? That's when they start looking at yeah. this poor metalhead. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to think it, it almost certainly is someone who lives in that area. Because, you know, if you're tooling in from Andover, you're not going to drive all the way back to Fenway to dump a body. Or, right. Or Good somebody yeah. who happens to go to a lot of Red Sox games and just knows the area and saw the dumpster before. Well, but I'm, I mean, it would be a weird place to actually choose to dump the body over by Fenway. That's, yeah. I mean, kind a of populated area. Yeah, but if it's like yeah. around the L, even if you're going to like Fenway, yeah. you don't like in my experience, you don't go down a lot of the alleyways, right? Because the restaurants mm, are right there. The stadium's true. right there. The yeah. hotels are right there. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, it like comes back in, and then there's like an outcove, and that's where the dumpster was. And it, like I say, it was set to, to remove the next day. So there's also speculation, like, was it somebody in the building who knew it was going to get taken that day? So they were thinking that nobody would find it in the 24 hours, and then it would be, you know, yeah. wherever the pile of garbage goes, and they could never relate it back to them. Like, right, yeah. You know, why did this get dumped there? And then why is it there in the first place? Right. You know, like, why did you clean it and stuff? Why didn't you just throw it in the trials like everybody else? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got rid of the legs. So. Well, that's the right. thing. They wanted the body found. Yeah. yeah. David feels like that was an important fact. Yeah. 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 They, they, just not all the body. Yeah. So, that, But they wanted they wanted her found. That's, that's what dumping that in that particular dumpster could. I mean, because if you're traveling around and you don't want it found, there are plenty of places you could pro- probably right. dump a body where it's less likely. I mean, you know, um, either that or they're really stupid, like Aaron Hernandez brought somebody right across the street from his house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, and the cleaning of it, is, it has to be taken care of. I mean, he took care of the body, like cleaned it. I mean, for his yeah. own safety, probably. And I'm saying he, but it could have been a girl. But so he was. I doubt it. Yeah, it was, he, the, the person had some sense. So there was a reason for putting that body in that particular dumpster. Yeah. So. It's a level of care you don't really expect from most heroin addicts, for what it's worth. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 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 I mean, they just put them with the other dead bodies that are <laughs> there from the overdoses, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You assume they're just too high to really be yeah. logically thinking. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. very strategic, and one person talks about that, like how um, they related a lot to Dexter, and how Dexter takes all this time to like make sure his crime scenes are completely um, secure and that the bodies have nothing on them, and. I thought it was an interesting way to say, like, was this a career person? Because there was somebody in upstate New York who was dismembering bodies. 
Gross. I mean, could he have been in Boston for the weekend? Sure, it's not far. Mm. It's possible. It's a possibility. You know, and it's a crime of opportunity. He saw a drunk girl walking down the street, and her sparkly pants attracted him. Yeah. It's like a fish. I don't did, know. Did he dismember in the same way? Because it's not like dismembering and that you're cutting off arms and stuff. It's that you took half the body with you and left the other half. Yeah. I, I yeah. remember it was... No, I don't think so. But I can't say that for sure. Yeah. So I won't comment on that. But I know it came up in... Um, there's a guy from New York who, like, relates this case to the Black Dahlia. So I just listened to it on the way here. So that's why I didn't... Yeah do much research on that um morbid podcast which we listen to um they had a guy on from new york city who um relates karina's crime to the black dahlia in the way that the killer took so much time with the body that it was a relationship with the death not mm-hmm. just yeah that um, makes sense whatever else that he was like forming this um bond Throughout the process it of killing sense, her, but it's super fucking gross. Super fucking gross. Because yeah. I was pi- picturing just this like methodical yeah. man that you would not expect. Because you know, whenever you see these killers, it's not somebody you would think it is. You right. know. So as he was talking on my way here, and I was listening to it, I was like, oh my god, this is like my math teacher or something. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's got to be somebody that nobody suspects and that nobody would see and. Um, and he was relating it to that case in upstate New York, but he only did it for like a second. So I don't know that he actually was like linking the Mm -hmm. two. And, um, again, it was on the way here, so I didn't uh, do much research on it. Yeah. I think I like this cop as the suspect because even the family with their dumpster fire, which I still really enjoy, it could have been like an incidental crime. Like he could have raped her or, you know, maybe she was pregnant by him Mm -hmm. and they had pregnancy tests and they wanted to set that shit on fire. But it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. that now that because that's so stupid, right? Of a thing it to is. do, set your dumpster on fire. But like whoever committed the crime took the time to clean the body, cut the yeah. nails. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then he's like having a dumpster and, fire, and then they become wicked stupid the next day. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's a very good you know point. what I mean? But I think yeah. that they there could have been uh, coincidentally a crime. You yeah. know, it's something possible. they wanted to cover up anyway. Especially if yeah. they knew it was their nanny, like. You know, maybe she called them, you know what I mean? And was like trying to get safe or I don't know if if her boyfriend was a cop and he was had her captive or something and she was able to call. Who would she call? Can't call the cops. Maybe she would have called them. And then they've been like, shit, we know it's our nanny, you know, and we also know we did this shit to her. So (laughs) fuck. (laughs) Better set a dumpster fire. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it is true. If you were not guilty of that, but you didn't want to get looked at, destroying some of that evidence is a good idea to like divert. But well, I think you only set it on fire if you've done something right. Because otherwise, right. Like, because that's like red flag. Pick me. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) Well, not to the boss. Police no, right no. Well, Boston is pretty near Fall River. It is. Well, mm-hmm. and at this time, we have to remember that they, the guy was about to step down the next year. Like they were full of corruption at this yeah. point. I think in '97 it said in the article that he had, they they forced him to step down. Yeah. And it was one of the rated the one of the worst homicide divisions in the United States. Yeah. For its corruption. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not either. And they they actually blame a lot of Irish people in it. And the article kind of says like. Um, all of these Irish Catholics um, just like... Well, it's like a gang. Yeah. yeah they link you know, up and they don't... It's like Italians in New York. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Irish is a, Irish people are like Whitey Bulger. We ran a whole gang there. Well, we're all Irish it's not so Catholic. unbelievable for this area. Like, yeah. think about it. Like, yeah. how many times have local cops, too, um, swept things under the rug for someone they knew and mm-hmm. then charged the next person with it? Like, sure. 
that's mm -hmm. yeah i like the cop in this story me too yeah. i just don't know his name always go with the husband ex-husband boyfriend ex-boyfriend this clearly is the closest thing we've got yeah, yeah. So i'm gonna call him write michael that O'Malley. down in case i end yep. up being washed up dead. <laughs> 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 the husband usually is the first person you look at like it's number yeah. one yeah, right definitely. homicide detective yeah. is the world's easiest job yeah <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ i don't Craig. know about that but <laughs> I mean, you look at the husband, and then you look to who benefits, right? Like, who would want this person? Like, I feel like they don't really know a lot about her because she was only in this country for a couple of months. She got here in March, uh, was killed in June. Yeah. Like, but also, something terrible happened for her to want to leave in August. Like, that... Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did it happen with the cop? Right. Could have been. I mean, that cop could have done something. I mean, cops are famous for wife-beating. Oh, yeah. So maybe he could have beat the shit out of her. Like who knows? Like I don't. I don't. You don't know. Well, but. if he beat the shit out of her, did her body have bruises on it? Like there should have been other. Oh yeah, they injuries. didn't say that. Yeah, they didn't say that. Depends on how long too. But yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, I think they would have pointed it but out. And the thing about rig and mortis too. Yeah, I they're mean, also covering think, up for the cop. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Uh, um, you know, thing about rig and mortis is all your bruises start to become very visible. Too. Right. So yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. So you'd think that that yeah. would have been. Yeah. Uh, something that they said as yeah. opposed to the body was very clean yeah, yeah. you know what i mean right they, so, they kept saying how clean it, it was yeah. well and uh, um one of the other podcasts i listened to was talking about her makeup and how personal it is to remove somebody's makeup like to mm -hmm. you had to you know mm -hmm. most guys don't even think about like the proper stuff to remove it with you know i wouldn't know how to remove somebody's makeup <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean maybe she removed her own if it was 30 hours between right did he know. make her do that did he make yeah. her clean herself right before he killed her like was it her boyfriend and they were doing you know what i mean maybe she he was... didn't like her going out on the bar yeah. and on the town with makeup on yeah. it's definitely a possibility yeah. sure so yeah, I thought of the making her remove her own makeup because, like, most guys wouldn't get it all, you know. Like, but it sounds like he's also a neat freak. Clipped her nails, got rid of, like. So, I mean, he might have, but mm -hmm. that's just some speculation because he had it for thirty hours. So, what is she doing for these thirty hours? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially where they say the body was fresh. Um, it didn't say in any of the articles like exactly when she was killed, but she was found at nine a.m. on Saturday. Yeah. On Sunday, I mean, Sunday, on yeah. Sunday. Mm -hmm. So you got all of Saturday. And then her body was fresh. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully somebody solves this one. Twenty-something uh, years, right? Yeah, not likely. Yeah. It's pretty old. Twenty-five, God. right? This year. Twenty-five. We're, yeah. we're old. Jesus. Twenty-five. Hear that? Fucker. Yeah. yeah. Ninety-six was the year I graduated high school. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and now, like, if you found the body, it would be so de... I mean, the bottom half, I mean, it would be so decomposed, nobody would know what that mm -hmm. was anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sad, sad case, but um, I hope you guys liked it, quite, <laughs> um, or at least enjoyed the interesting conversation and um, my constant "fuck the police" and that one. I didn't mean to, but oh, um, okay. he was my number one suspect. So mine too, mine too. All right, well, listeners, we will be taking next week off as some of us are going away for the weekend, so we won't be able to figure out how to get our lives together. But when we come back, we're going to have a couple guest ho guest hosts, not stars. <laughs> uh, no, I'm the star. Just a couple people reached out to us and asked if they could be a part of our podcast and bring forward a story, so we'll be looking to schedule that in the future. Craig will eventually get his shit together and get his story done. Maybe he'll do that on the plane or something. Um, out to Denver, but get his shit together. 
This was supposed Good to be his luck. week. Oh, I know. Yeah. Gracious <laughs> saved you. So I guess we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Yep. See you in a couple weeks. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to us on this episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite app so you don't miss an episode. You can also send us an email to cocktailsmocktailsandcrime at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Or Twitter at CMCrime1. See you all next week.